Hey, could I get some help with this sign? Let me pray about it. Amen. Yeah. The only ghost allowed around here is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hey guys, did you see what I am this year? I'm a Reese's Jesus. Oh, oh, praise the Lord. Every fall across America, thousands of well-meaning Christians suffer from HHS, hyperspiritual Halloween syndrome, resulting in awkward interactions that produce the exact opposite of their intentions. The real question, you guys, boom! What would Jesus do for a Klondike bar? Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> right? Praise Jesus! Pretty good. Hey guys, I think we should divide up in groups and pray over each piece of candy. What do you think? That sounds great like a great idea. Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, I got the stickers. Look, Tommy, free cocoa! That's right, free cocoa. But do you know where true freedom comes from? Jesus. That's right, Timmy, and you can read all about it in this. Careful, it's hot. You think that's hot? If you don't turn to Jesus, you'll be burning in- Hey, let's skip the cocoa and move on from this freak show. That's one fine how do you do. Well, blessings to you, Timmy. Symptoms of HHS include speaking in Christianese, awkwardly changing the subject to topics of faith, unsolicited warnings of doom, and handing out Bible tracts instead of candy. Fortunately, the cure for HHS is simple and affordable. It starts with letting go of gimmicks and being yourself as you host a CTK Glow Station in your neighborhood. Sign up today to receive a free kit that includes a generous supply of candy, cocoa mix, and glow bracelets to hand out to trick-or-treaters. Ask a few friends to help you create a welcoming place to greet your neighbors and let them get to know you, the real, normal you. Not ready to host? Help those who are by donating candy or funds to stock their glow stations. Together, we can make a difference in the battle against hyper-spiritual Halloween syndrome. Find out more and sign up on our website. That was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, awesome stuff. So now you know what you're not supposed to do. Listen, here's the deal. Uh, Every time, this time of year, we get to do this thing called Glow Stations. We've been doing it for a couple years, and we have found this has been an, a wonderful way of being some of the values we are around here, being relationally driven and arrows out. So here's what we need from you. There's three different ways you can help out with Glow Stations. One is you can host a Glow Station. We are looking for 100 different Glow Stations in Whatcom County, and we would love it if your family or your small group, a group of you just said, hey, we want to do a glow station. You can, and in the comments afterwards, you can sign up for that or you can sign up online. Right now, uh, as of last night, we had 27 just to start with. We're super thrilled with that. We're hoping we get a bunch more this morning. So if you want to sign up, please know you need to sign up in the next two weeks in order, to get all, in order for us to be able to get all the materials to you. Secondly, another way that you can support is by bringing candy. Our goal is to get 15 wheelbarrow, uh, wheelbarrow loads full of candy. I think we have two so far. So church, if, if you're not going to host, please bring in candy. Just bring in lots of candy, ridiculous amounts of candy. And third, uh, one of the things we also need is for all the supplies, we need about $3,500. We've raised a couple hundred so far. So if you want to give in one of those three ways, what a fantastic opportunity for us. To, and here's all we're trying to do is to have simple conversations in our neighborhoods. So how awesome is that, right? Well, one of the ways uh, you can also plug in around here is this thing that we're doing called ownership class. 
For those of you who have been around Christ the King for a while know that ownership is really our membership class. We're doing one today after the next service. Um, I want to encourage you, it's either this weekend or next week, and we're doing our next two ownership classes. If you haven't signed up, go sign up in the comments afterwards today. We would love to have you join us as you can participate by being all in here, especially in light of the vision that we talked about last week. We need more people to step up into this role of being an owner here at CTK. Well, this weekend is the very final weekend of this thing called The Conversation, and we're very excited about finishing this series and getting us ready for our next series. So check this out. going on a blind date and she didn't even know it. She did what she ever did every single morning. She got up, she went through her morning activities, and then as noon approached, she would pick up a water jar and head off to a place called Jacob's Well. She had no idea that he was going to be there that day. She had no idea that he was going to turn her life completely upside down. But in John chapter 4, that's exactly what happened. The Bible says this, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Let's just stop in the conversation there just for a second. What does Jesus, the Son of God, know in that particular moment? He knows everybody needs water. Everybody. That's a common ground, right? He knows everybody has a story. He knows that we all have common experience. He also knows everyone needs a savior. That's a common condition, common ground, common experience, common condition. And into that context, this conversation begins to happen. Verse eight, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. So obviously Jesus is there alone. Verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to get water. She's just a little confused. He told her, get ready to cue the awkward music, go and get your husband and come back here. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. (sighs) Awkward pause, right? This conversation takes just a couple of minutes 
And yet God is in the process of completely transforming this lady's life. And we catch him. We catch this master conversationalist reaching into her life, her messy life that doesn't have any boundaries at all. And, and, and he's giving her hope. I love that Jesus starts with a simple question. Because I think that's a clue for all of us. Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? Sounds simple enough. Without one question, Jesus starts smashing barriers. All of these barriers could have derailed the conversation, but Jesus doesn't care about barriers. He sees barriers as an opportunity to break through and bring hope and mercy into somebody's life. He breaks through. We see barriers every day, don't we? Racial barriers, socioeconomic barriers, gender barriers, intellectual barriers. Some of them are subtle. Some of them are right in your face. The ones that Jesus encounters, they're in his face. With one question, Jesus breaks barriers. Let's walk through them. First of all, he breaks a reputation barrier. Samaria, where this woman was from, was known as a spiritual ghetto. It was a dump of sin. And the Bible says this. I love how it puts it. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Okay, just so we're clear, Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. He didn't have to go anywhere. You don't force the Son of God to go anywhere. But the Bible says he had to go there. Why? Because she was there. Because he knew that that morning, that noon, that she was going to be there in that place. He planned this conversation out for centuries. Jews didn't go to Samaria. Jesus did. What can we learn from that? Sometimes we have to go there. We have to be courageous. We've got to be purposeful. The love of God compels us to have a conversation with people who don't know God. That's why God put us here. And Jesus is modeling this for us. Secondly, he goes through a social barrier. So many barriers that day. In that culture, men didn't talk to women. They just didn't do that. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Religious teachers, nice, nice rabbis didn't talk to broken sinners. It was socially unacceptable. It was politically incorrect to do what Jesus was doing. This is what I love. Why was he doing it? Because her soul was more important than keeping the rules. I just love that. Her soul was so unbelievably important. So according to God, what do you do when there's a social barrier in the way? You kick it down and keep your eye on the soul of the person on the other side of the conversation. Thirdly, there's a sin barrier. I ran into this barrier the other day. I was talking with a person about Christ the King. They have a certain perception about our church. That's cool, right? Our nickname in the community is Christ is the King. I get that. I like that. Works for me, all right? And I, I, it was just interesting because he told me in no uncertain terms, he goes, you know why I don't come to Christ the King? There's too many sinners there. <laughs> it's working! I mean, I just love that, right? I mean, for the record, just in case you're wondering, the pastor of Christ the King's a sinner. A sinner saved by grace. Jesus got blasted for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. If you're, in, if you're a sinner today, you are in such good company. Welcome to our big, fat, dysfunctional family. We're just, it's just glad to have you here. It's good. And just in case you're wondering, our official position on sinners at Christ the King is that we're all sinners and only God's grace can cover that sin and set you free. And our goal is it's okay for you to not be okay, but you don't get to stay not okay. In fact, we actually believe that the God that we serve can deliver you so you don't need to be a slave to sin anymore. Can I get an amen from the 930 crowd? Now, here's where it gets kind of awkward, okay? Jesus names her sin. We don't like that, right? We don't like naming sin. 
embarrasses us. We don't like words like adultery, pornography, bigotry, racism. We don't like it when it gets named. It makes us uncomfortable. Years ago, I had the honor of speaking to the kindergarten through fourth graders at Linden Christian. They invited me to come in and do a chapel. My topic that day was, what does God do with liars? And my answer was, he turns them into pastors. That's how it works. I told these kids, I said, this is how it worked. I grew up being able to tell stories. And so I would tell stories in order to get people to like me. I told them how I got started in lying and how, how that sin snowballed in my life until it almost cost me everything. And then I told them, the thing that makes me so happy is that Jesus has a, he seems to have a thing for liars. David lied, Paul lied, Peter lied, and God still pursued them, and he used them. And I told him how I used to tell untrue stories, and the devil liked it. Now I tell true stories, and Jesus likes that. A few days after chapel, I'm out for lunch with Laurel. We're in a local restaurant in Linden, of all things. And there's a little girl about three booths over. And for the whole restaurant to hear, stands up and goes, Hey, you're the lying pastor. Yeah. All right, cast that demon spirit out of you. I mean, like, lay hands on you. <laughs> we don't like it when it gets named out loud. None of us do, right? Jesus names it, but we have to be so careful with that. Oh, my friends, my brothers and my sisters, we have to be so careful with that. Jesus names it because he's God. For the record, none of us are God. We're not God. Here's a learning moment. As human beings, we have a sin bond with people, not a sin barrier. We all stand equal in need of a Savior at the foot of the cross. That's what bonds us together. And we need to be careful not to play a role reserved for God. In case you're wondering, you can't convict anyone of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the last time I checked, the Trinity was a trio, not a quartet. Doesn't need your help. And if you believe you are the junior Holy Spirit, for the love of God today, resign your position. It's not helping. Now this is different. You've got to be careful how you divide these lines. Scripture says as a spiritual family between brothers and sisters... That there may be a time we need to speak the truth in love to somebody else. I had a friend, long-standing relationship, asked me if, if I saw any blind spots in his life. He actually invited me to have that conversation with him. I've invited him to do the same thing. That's different. That, that's a different dynamic. We're talking here about a person that you've barely met. It is not your role to walk in and name their sin. I mean, I think we can honestly say this. Jesus is God, so his conversation rules are a little different. So let's let God be God in this moment. Their conversation actually continues at the end of it. The woman ends up saying, surely you're a prophet because he knows things about her. They talk a little history and then Jesus reveals himself as the God of the Old Testament. That one time in scripture, right here in this moment, when Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah, the Son of God and God the Son. I love the fact that he chooses not to reveal himself to the town mayor. He doesn't pick the pastor of the largest church in town. No, he reveals himself to the woman with the scarlet letter on her chest. 
This is the God that I have absolutely fallen head over heels in love with. When he wants to reveal himself as he truly is, he picks the biggest sinner he can find. That gives me hope for me. Jesus offers living water, but apparently it holds no judgment for the misfits, the outcasts, the marginalized. Those were the very people that Jesus came to seek and save. There's another barrier in the way. I called it the shame barrier. I was at Starbucks the other day just picking up a coffee and had a question in my back pocket. If you're around here long enough, you'll hear me do this every once in a while. A middle-aged guy standing behind me in the line, turn around and said, I'll buy your coffee if you answer a question. He said, I've heard about you. <laughs> that was fun. He said, simple question. What would keep you from looking God in the eye? And I think he answered for all of us, shame. Shame. And I picture this story, I picture the woman being so shy and unsure. I mean, Jesus is breaking rules. This conversation is not supposed to happen. Men don't talk to women in this culture. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Rabbis don't talk to women with stained reputations and bad histories. I mean, I just believe there had to be so little eye contact through the first part of the conversation. And then Jesus, he brings it up and it's pretty painful, right? The truth is, you, you've had five failed marriages. And now you're shacking up with another guy. Let's just be honest. I wonder in that moment if all the eye contact just disappeared completely. I mean, if Jesus called me out that way, I'd probably stare at the ground too. Why? Because we all share shame at some level. Where's the shame come from? I think it comes from the fact he, he knew he knew the dirty little secret. He, 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 he knew everything that she was ashamed of. I mean, they don't even know each other's names according to Scripture, and he knows. They've only been talking for a couple of moments, and he just, he just says it out loud. Any woman in this culture at that time with that history would have been seen as a prostitute. Her lifestyle would have been highly immoral, highly offensive to anyone, to any of the, the Jewish people that would have encountered her. In fact, if you read the Old Testament law, even sharing a cup with her would have made you unceremonially, you would have been ceremonially unclean because of her history. This is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't care. He breaks this religious taboo over her shame-filled soul. You know, I've always wondered, what in the world is she doing there at noon? If you ever come to Israel with me, and I hope that you do, I hope that you'll come. We will go to this particular well. It's on our next itinerary. We're going to go and we're going to sit exactly where she sat at this. You know, I've always wondered, why are you there at noon? Nobody does anything at noon in the Holy Land. It's too hot. It's just hot. I wonder if she came alone a little later in the day because she knew that all the, the people from the town would have been gone. I wonder if she came alone to avoid the whispers and the stares of the people that were looking at her. I wonder if her shame was so pronounced that she came alone in the heat of the day because that was just easier than having to deal with the heat of human hatred. Because they would have hated her. Can you find yourself there just, just for a second? The worst of you on display in a conversation with a person that you've never known before. I mean, wouldn't you be ashamed and yet this is what I love he knew she was going to be there 
And his message was not one of condemnation. His message was simple. I'll share a cup with you. That's against the rules. I don't care. I'll share a cup with you. But I've got this really, really bad history. I don't care. I'll share a cup with you. Jesus, you have no idea what I did in my former life. I don't care. I will share a cup with you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, you remember me. Jesus starts to share. There's a language barrier that gets in the way. I mean, the woman thinks they're talking about literal water. Jesus is talking about spiritual water. They kind of banter back and forth. She wants water that satisfies. Jesus says, I have water, satisfies for eternity. She asks where, where, where she can get some. She asks, how, how, how are you going to get this water out? You don't even have anything like to pull it out of the well with. And that's why Jesus is saying what he's saying. I will share a cup with you. I don't care about your rep. Your cup is good enough for the both of us. All you have to do is believe that I am living water. It's the same question that Jesus asks every single one of us. I am living water. Will you drink? Will you drink? You know, the same God who comes to this woman and offers living water. He's the same God that shows up in the middle of the night when you cry yourself to sleep because nobody really understands just how broken your world is. He's the God who shows up in the middle uh, of your broken dream and, and, and your broken heart and your broken relationship and your broken business and your broken everything else. He's the one that shows up and says, I'll share a cup with you because I made you. I love you. This is not a mistake. You know, I put some conversation clues in the language barrier because I hear this a lot. People just go, Grant, I never seem to have these opportunities. My question is always, are you listening? I think there, I, I think there, there, there are conversations waiting everywhere. We just don't recognize them. So I'm going to give you some clues. Jesus used living water as a way to step into the conversation. Here's some clues. If you ever hear somebody say, I'm new, that is just like ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. I'm new. You know what? I remember what it feels like to be new in this county. I mean, I came from Canada. We have two banking options, essentially, right? You guys have a neighborhood bank on every single street corner. I'm like, how in the world does that system work? You know how I figured it out? Somebody told me. In a conversation. It was simple. I'm new. We all remember what it feels like to be new. Hey, well, if you're new, what kind of things are you looking for in the community? I'm looking for a place to plug in. What kind of schools would you recommend? I mean, just opportunity to step into the conversation so that you can build a relationship with someone over a long period of time. If you ever hear someone say the words, I need, I need, I mean, that just like, wow, what, I don't, I don't, I don't know, is that an open door, God? Yes, it is. I need. Well, if you could actually meet that need, think about what God could do with that relationship. It's just like, you know, hey, we're new in the area and, and I don't even have a lawnmower yet. Guess what? I need a lawnmower. I have a lawnmower. Not very good. It doesn't work very well, but I have a lawnmower. Okay? If you can meet the need. This is not rocket science. This is, this is humanity. Here's another one. I'm hurting. I mean, here's a logical follow-up question. What are you hurting about? Well, I just found out my son or my daughter's getting a divorce. That hurts. 
hey, I just found out that my mom's dying of cancer. Step in in that moment. Step in. Be gracious. What did the verse say? Let your conversation always be seasoned, always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you can be prepared with an answer for everyone. Here's another one. I was wondering, wow, what an opportunity. I was wondering. In those moments when we hear those clues, step in, don't back off, pursue the conversation, meet the need, bear the burden. Here's an idea. Introduce yourself. Answer a question. Jesus does all of that. I mean, just look at John chapter 4. He introduces himself. I'm the Messiah, the king of all. He hears the pain of her story. He doesn't preach at her. He actually sees a need and meets it. You know what someone with her relational history needs? She needs a friend. And Jesus becomes that. In that moment, he answers her question, where can I get living water? He's like, right here. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. He makes a declaration. Sometimes you need to make a declaration. Do you know that we should never be ashamed to say that we are followers of Jesus Christ? It's who I am. Now, is that the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I'm introducing myself to somebody that I've never met before? <laughs> no, normally it's like, hi, I'm Grant. And off it goes from there. This is so unbelievably important, right? The desired outcome of every series of conversations. You'll notice I said series of conversations. Some people think these things are like one and done. Uh-uh. God actually calls us to apply ourselves into the life of somebody else and to be a part of that relationship over a long period of time. The desired outcome of every series of conversations is a greater revelation of Jesus the Messiah. That's the goal. That's the goal. I just love this story. I could stay in this story for weeks. I love how Jesus just stays in the moment. He touches the life and boy, we find ourselves in two locations in this story, don't we? We find ourselves in the shame of the woman because we've all got shame at some level. But we also find ourselves in another place. We find ourselves in, in this moment as someone watching a model of how to have a spiritual conversation with someone. I mean, I read this and, and, and the truths just fly at me. It's just like, Grant, live in the moment that Jesus authored. Just be in that moment. Be on constant lookout for those God moments. I mean, my prayer for you this week is that wherever, wherever your well is, for some of you it's the water cooler in your office, I hope and pray that I've completely ruined your water cooler moments for the rest of your life. Because I hope and pray that after today you can't look at your water cooler as a place to go after the weekend and catch up on the latest office gossip. Instead, I hope and pray you'll look at your water cooler as a divine opportunity for you to draw a line between water that doesn't satisfy and the living water of Jesus. My prayer is that whoever that person is that shows up at the water cooler, that you will never be able to see them the same way again. But you will just see them as an opportunity to have a conversation so that they can share in the same relationship with Jesus that you've been blessed with. I hope and pray the next time you see your neighbor outside watering the lawn, that you won't be able to help yourself when God taps you on the shoulder and says, go and ask a question. Get started.
just ask the right question. What does Jesus start with? Can I have a drink? Well, don't ask your neighbor if he's watering the lawn. Say, can I have a drink? No. Um, here's another suggestion. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? And after he's done lying to you, because we all lie, right? We, I'm fine, right? How are you really doing? The master teacher just uses a question. It's a beautiful question. You could ask the same one. How's it going? That's a good question. Here's an example of a bad question. Hey, we've lived together for a long time. Would you like to avoid burning in hell for eternity and attend church with me this weekend? Bad question. Jesus overcomes the barriers. He overcomes the barriers and he, and he steps in. Followers of Jesus, i got a question for you. Through the context of this story, how many Samaritans do you know? How many people do you actually know you have a friendship with that do not believe the same thing that you do? How many people that are on the margins, that have been forgotten about by the rest of society, how many of them do you actually have a, a first name kind of friendship with? I mean, my question is, have we insulated our lives so much we've lost contact with the very world that God calls us to reach for Him? I mean, I noticed something the other day, totally freaked me out because I forget about this somewhere. I mean, I, I just had this epiphany moment. I'm standing in Whatcom County, and, and this truth just comes and smacks me in the face. Are you ready for it? Th this is what just captured me. People are everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. Everywhere I go, there are people. And where there are people, there are opportunities. Opportunities to build life-giving relationships and friendships with them for the purpose, the express purpose of, of when God gives that green light to be able to have so much trust and so much relationship built with them that you could bring Jesus in and they wouldn't even blink. It's not about lecturing them on what they need to change. It's about allowing Jesus to press down those barriers. Verse 28, I love this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing uh, about. I just want to focus in on this one little piece here. What does she say to all of the people who probably ignored her, at some point have rejected her? What does she say to them? Come and see a man. And put it in your outline. The difference between go and see a man and come and see a man is the heart of bringing other people into their own conversation with Jesus. We've been talking about bringing. That's why we're going to shift gears next week. I mean, we've been talking about bringing people. It would be smart for us if we actually had something for you to bring people to. Because let's be honest, it's a little awkward to bring somebody to a sermon series that's about you having a conversation with them, right? Right? It's kind of like, mm, am, I like, am I like a notch on your Bible? How does this work, right? So next week we start a new series called Rewritten. We're going to talk about how God loves to redeem stories and rewrite endings. It's going to be full on, straight out. This is how Jesus can change and transform your life. An amazing series to bring people to. I love the fact that the lady says, come and see a man. When we say go and see a man... 9.30 Sunday mornings at Christ the King. Go and see a man hanging on a cross at Easter time. 
I mean, what we're really saying is, go and see him. I hope that works out for you. I'm actually a little too busy now. My, 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 you know, my, my schedule's gotten a little bit overflowing, and I'm too busy. And I got what I want, which is awesome. I got living water, took my drink. That's fantastic. And, and I hope this goes well for you. And, and, and hey, let, let me know how it goes. Go and see. It's not what she says. Come and see. Come, come with me. You've got to see this. You have to experience this. This man told me everything about myself. And it was awkward, but you know, if you want to come, come and see the grace and the mercy that he extended to me in that moment. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What was her testimony? He told me everything I ever did. Wow. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days Aren't you glad that the God you love and serve breaks rules? Good Jewish rabbis didn't stay in Samaria. He's like, no, I think I found some family here. I think I'll hang. I've got some time. We need to establish some relationship. We need to have, we need to have some more conversation. And because of his words, verse 41 says, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know, listen to this, we know this man really is the savior of the world. All of a sudden, her story, her salvation is transformed by this conversation. And now they're having a conversation with her that basically says, it's not just your story anymore, it's our story. You were changed. You were transformed. Now we have been changed. We've been transformed. What's the central figure in the transformation? Is it me? Is it you? No, we can't transform anybody. No, Jesus is the one in the center. Jesus is the one we speak about. Jesus is the one that transformed us. Jesus is the only one that can transform anyone else. And it all starts with a conversation. It wraps up with a conversation. And ultimately it ends with a community knowing God because of the witness of one transformed, shame-filled sinner. An entire city like Bellingham... Like Linden, like Blaine, like Everson, like Nooksack, like Fairhaven can be transformed by a conversation that starts and leads to the transformation of shame-filled sinners. Guess what we have a room full of? You know, this is amazing to me. Having a spiritual conversation is more about our obedience than the other person's response. The question is, are we actually going to have the conversation or not? Does it matter how they respond? Actually, no. That's on God. He's the only one that draws all people to himself. Our question is, do we, will we actually follow through in our responsibility to initiate, to start, and to have those life-giving conversations? Here's what I love about this place. This place is filled with opportunities to have difficult, awkward conversations. And I love that about this place. I want to encourage you. If you're just checking out Christianity, I mean, you're just checking it out. You don't know for sure, and you have questions. It's just like, nah, I don't know about the guy up front. I'm not sure 
how this all goes together, can I just tell you the safest place to Christ the King where you can go and ask that kind of a question about Jesus or about church or about anything like that and nobody's going to judge you or jump down your throat? It's this beautiful thing called Alpha. Can I tell you what Alpha is? Alpha is dinner and a movie. That's all it is. We like to do things relationally around here. So you're going to meet some other people who also have questions. You're going to meet some people who at one time were walking exactly the same journey that you're walking. They didn't know whether or not this Jesus thing was true or not. It's a safe place to ask questions and to grow and to consider whether or not Jesus is exactly who he said he was or not. I want to encourage you. We just kind of got classes up and rolling last week. There's still so much opportunity to get plugged in. So if you're just new and you're just checking it out, it's just like, I just, mm, I got a question. How do I know the Bible's true? How do I know that what that guy up front is saying is actually right? Where does that come from? Alpha is a beautiful place to do that. Gentlemen, according to statistics, eight out of ten of us in this room have an addiction to pornography. That's hard to say, isn't it? Maybe you're just sick and tired of being owned by your mouse pad. We have a safe place where you can go and talk about that with other guys who are battling and walking through that battle and have actually experienced some victory because we believe that Jesus can help us break that. In fact, we think he's the only one that can break that. So we have a group called Standing Firm, an opportunity for guys to get in a room and not be judged and live authentically and honestly and bring that struggle to Jesus and have him break it off of your life. Some of you, because I see you every week and I talk with you in the comments, some of you are just hurting. We have an amazing, an amazing gathering. It's called Deep Healing for Deep Wounds. Some of you are hurting so bad you don't even remember what you got hurt with. It's just been this pile that's been accumulating for years and years and years. I've got a brother. His name's Everett. Everett just lost his wife recently. Valiant battle with cancer. Denise battled and battled and battled. Everett knows what it feels like to feel a deep wound. He's found healing and hope in Jesus. And if you're hurting, he'd like to have that conversation with you. It's a safe place to have it. This church is just full of opportunities where we will not play games we're not going to stick Christian bumper stickers on everybody's pain. We're just going to have the conversation. And Jesus will come and stand in the center of it. Because more than we wanting to talk about it, he wants to talk about it. Opportunities are everywhere. Let's be honest. What's the biggest barrier that stops us from engaging the conversation? If I was to be honest with you, I would say I get stuck a lot at good intentions. Anybody else? I, I, you know, I have good intentions. I am absolutely going to sign up for that class until Monday night football gets in the way. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do that membership thing. I should do that. Just, just for the record, if you've been coming here for more than a decade, you don't get to call yourself a visitor anymore. Like seriously, like when you've crossed the 300 weekend threshold, you're, you're not a guest. You're family. That's the way that it works. 
Todd and I would love to have the conversation about becoming a part of the family because we'd like to hear your voice a little louder because you actually own this place. It's yours. It's not mine. It's, it's ours. You know, I'm going to do that. I really should do that. Oh, I got to go do this. Oh, yeah, I got to add that thing to that thing. Oh, my schedule is really, really busy this week. And where does it go? I wonder if she was glad that Jesus didn't get stuck in good intentions that day. I wonder if she's glad that Jesus didn't play by the rules and just wait a couple hundred feet off until she was done drawing water and went away. I wonder if she was glad that the king of the universe showed up and said, I'll share a cup with you. I don't care how broken your story is. I'll share a cup with you. Some of you are thinking right now, I'm too broken to do any of this stuff. Can I say something on behalf of the people of Christ the King Church? We don't care how broken you are. We'll share a cup with you. We'll share a cup with you. We drank from it, and now we want you to drink too. The water is everlasting, eternal. It'll rewrite your story. So today you got a choice. You can get stuck again. Or you can go home and have that conversation with your neighbor. You can sign up to have a glow station when all the kids in your neighborhood come pouring past your driveway. You can go and meet that need. You can go and sign it. You can actually step across that, that moment of good intentions. Here's what I know. If you have the conversation, you have no idea what God might do. He just wants your obedience. Let's leave the results to him. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thanks for John chapter 4. I love that story. It makes my heart smile to see you stepping over good intention and actually initiating a conversation. God, I pray wisdom over our church family. Lord, would we, would we do this well? Would we never forget that your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. So that you can have an answer ready for everyone. God, would you please just allow the same grace that touched our lives to be extended in every conversation we have. Father, I pray for those who feel today like they're getting stuck at good intentions. God, would you take us across the line? God, we believe that this is about our obedience. So may we be obedient people this week. May we look for opportunities. May we courageously step across the line. May we break barriers in the name of Jesus. And may we do it all lovingly and graciously. We give you praise today for the God who authored a conversation with us. And Lord, may we now steward that conversation well with everyone that you 